podcast for fans of Halloween, horror, and all things macabre. Join us, won't you? Uh, welcome back to the Halloween Street Podcast. I'm your host, Leland, here with two of my favorite people in the world. Uh, my co-host on my other show, uh, Lost on Sci-Fi, Elizabeth. Hi, everybody. And I'll let you explain it. <laughs> <laughs> also coming in, my co-host on the Binary System Podcast is my twin sister, Catherine. Hi, everybody. So where this is a three-show uh, what do you, what do you, what do they call kind it in the comics when all three crossover crossover yeah. event? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to say intersection, which it still is. True. Well, my first impulse was to say three way, and I don't think we want to do that. No, we don't want to go there. <laughs> no, I, I feel you both are going to lose on that ending. Just... <laughs> all those rumors about twins that you've heard before—it's not true. Oh, really, no, I've really seen them not. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to discuss something this week. Uh, so anyway, welcome to the street. Um, so I always ask this of all the first time guests on the show, and I gave you absolutely no preparation for this question. Totally fine. So spontaneous. Knock yourselves out. Okay. When you guys were young and you went trick-or-treating, what is your favorite and least favorite candy you were given. Oh, interesting. Oh, boy, I thought you were going to say costume, and I already Me had an too. answer ready. All right. Me um, too. Well, hey, if, if it was the costume, what was your favorite? Um, well, for sheer uh, impulsiveness and, you know, technical difficulty, I'd say the centaurs. I would say so, too, yeah, with a second runner-up being the one <laughs> we wanted to go as a computer, but we ended up going as this giant tinfoil-covered box, but it was pretty hilarious. So. Uh, we're not <laughs> moving past centaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I never told you about the centaur costumes. Oh no, I would remember that. Oh, That's wow. something you remember. We made our mom. We forced our mom to put this together, and boy, did she ever rise to the occasion! That was amazing. Though, in our defense, though, we did a lot of it ourselves, and then mom came in and showed us how to make it work in a real-world environment. Because yeah, we yeah. built it out of like bamboo and cloth, and each of us like it's not like a horse costume or one's the front and one's the back. No, we were both. Centaurs. Did you have wheels on the back end of the horse hooves? No, that was the thing that was throwing us off. We'd made a framework out of bamboo. We covered it with cloth to make like the horse's body and the legs hung down and it had like cloth that we wrapped around our waist. Okay. The thing is, it wouldn't stay up because it was too heavy. Yeah. Mom came up with the idea. She got little pieces of like fur to make like collars for us and we attached fishing line from the back of the collar to the back of the tail and that held the back end up. Okay, I'm kind of amazed by all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, nobody's done anything like that as far as I can tell. I'm seeing the ones with wheels nowadays, and those are pretty awesome, but ours were pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, I have seen the wheeled ones in person at Ren Fair. Yeah. They are really cumbersome, and mm-hmm. watching that guy try to figure out how to get into the porta potty is really great. Oh, wow. That <laughs> yeah. is hilarious. One would hope that they have snaps. Yeah. One would hope, yes. (laughs) We had a lot of people who didn't really know what we were because from the front, we were wearing like ballerina, like um, leotards. As you do. Yeah, right, because they were, we had like brown legs and everything. Um, People would see us from the front, they're like, oh, I don't know. And then we would turn around and people would go, oh, horses. And we're like, well, you're pretty close. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I would feel that's a common thing for people to know, but I I guess I travel in circles where it would be common. (laughs) Like, you go to Comic-Con and Horror-Cons, you're like, yeah, you're a centaur. Yeah. What? 
this is uh, Sarasota, Florida, so a little hit or miss on the nerd world there. Oh, yeah. I I lived in Florida. Yeah. Uh, Yep. To address your uh, earlier question, gosh, uh, least favorite candy... You know, the, the boxes of, like, chewy dots or something? Oh, yeah. What that's called? You don't like dots? <laughs> no. That's fair. Everyone has a right to dislike a dot. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I was going to say anything that's like the fake candy, like the little fake football chocolates or whatever, you know? It's like they're more wax than actually chocolate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you have the one you enjoy the most? Oh, I do love me a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Oh, that's solid. The Hershey's Miniatures. Yeah. Uh, my go-to so far in this uh, podcast and the other episodes is uh, I like the small box and milk duds okay. because you only get three and I enjoy portion control. <laughs> Fair. Or Reese's Pieces. Okay, that's good. Me and the E.T. candy have a serious love affair that is still pretty strong. <laughs> that's, that's totally. And you know what? The peanut butter M&Ms are not as good. Oh, they're, no, they're terrible. Yeah, I, it's it's yeah. interesting because you're like, they're both candy-covered peanut butter. You would think that that would be a no-brainer, but one does it well and one doesn't. I think because M&M's actually uses some sort of real peanut butter. Okay. And, and Reese's Pieces makes his own thing. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. The chocolate cov- chocolate peanut butter M&M's, whatever, they do taste a little bit like there's the actual peanut butter scooped inside the shell. And for, You'd think that would work, but it totally doesn't. Nope. 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 Oh, good. I'm glad we're all in agreement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this week, we I wanted to talk about uh, our horror writers, and I brought this to you both, and you both were like, well, we've read this, we've read that, and we all kind of circled the drain, and we discussed, well, we all three have a love of Anne Rice. Absolutely. Who I feel is a top-tier horror writer, but she generally sticks with one specific genre of horror. Now, she's branched off. I mean, The Witching Hour is witches. Mm-hmm. Now, Catherine, did you read that one? We both the did. Witching Hour. Oh yeah. Did we enjoy that? Yes. Uh yes, I did. I didn't yeah. like what she ended up doing with them in the Vampire series. She ended up just wrapping up the Witching Hour in the Vampire series and it took like a chapter, I think. But Oh. It yeah. was, okay. Kath and I have talked before. One thing we really like about the Witching Hour is when they start going into the history of all these characters and the genealogy and everything, and that's a messed up family. So yeah. that's always fun to see. Well, that's cool. I've never read The Witching Hour. I think I made it about 30 pages in, and I was like, oh, you know what? There is a lot less vampires in this than I needed. Yeah. 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 There's not even any, I don't think. Yeah. That's that's one too less. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So you need, you've got to have vampires in your Anne Rice, or you're just not in. Because you didn't read The Mummy either. I did not read The Mummy. I I think I had it for a while, and it was one of those like, oh, I'll get to that eventually, and I never did. Okay. Oh, what about Servant of the Bones? I forget what that is. Servant of the Bones is an odd one because, you know, of course, she she bases her stories around existing mythologies, vampires, werewolves, uh, the mummy, whatever. I'm not quite sure what the creature is in Servant of the Bones. Okay. It traces back. It possibly could be a, a, a golem. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe... Possibly, but it does seem to be her own thing, which is good. It was a fascinating book. Now, Cry to Heaven also doesn't have any vampires in it either. Oh, yeah, then that one doesn't even fall into the... Well, it's sort of horror. Okay. I think for guys, it's horror. Oh, yeah, because of what they do. Is this her I turn to Catholicism 
No. no. Uh, oh, okay. Actually, it's uh, talking about what the Italian singers known as the castrati for oh, yeah, okay. perfect reasons. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's considered horror for dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Nathan used to read Anne Rice all the time. He couldn't get past the first sentence in uh, Cry to Heaven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they right. start out immediately with what they do. Well, I guess I'll check that out. <laughs> I have oh, She has... It's funny you said, like, her... Yeah. She has a way with setting a tone, mm-hmm. specifically. I I remember in... I think it was oh, right at a high school college was when I discovered that she had a pseudonym... Oh. And she wrote erotic fiction. The Beauty oh, yes. series? I've read the Beauty series, and I have read Exit to Eden multiple times. Nice. You know, I've <laughs> never read Exit to Eden, but I have read the Beauty series. Uh, there's something pretty compelling about that series. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine, have you read any of those? I've read the first one, actually. I, I bought that for Nathan one time, and I had the lovely experience of going into a bookstore and not being able to find it and asking the guy at the front desk if he had Beauty's Punishment. And uh, <laughs> and he like looked through, he's like, oh, well, I've got this Beauty's Trilogy, Beauty's Punishment, Beauty's Release, and he named off all of them at a really high volume. I'm sitting there going, thank you so much. Now the entire <laughs> store knows that I'm ordering these. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Let your freak flag fly. Fine. I guess. <laughs> it is there. For those of you who are listening who have never uh, heard of the, the beauty, it's basically Anne Rice's hardcore X-rated erotic version of Sleeping Beauty. Yep. Right. Where instead of kissing her, he has to fuck her awake. Yep. It is so... Which I understand mm. is how the oldest versions of that fairy tale actually went. Makes Why sense. Why not? That, yeah. that, you know, he had sex with her and then she was pregnant and she didn't wake up until the babies were born. So, yeah. I believe that's called rape. Yeah, I would yeah. guess so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't think there could be any consent going on there, but that's no. okay. But these stories were written a long time ago. Yeah, but there's not a whole hell of a lot of consent in the Beauties trilogy either. My God. Well, there True. is in the fact that it's, you know, bondage discipline relationship in a pretty hardcore way. I mean, without going into a lot of detail in it, because there's a lot of stuff that, there's a lot. There's I a mean, lot. Things are being stuck in orifices that were just, <laughs> and, and, and left for long periods of time, <laughs> where I'm just thinking that's gonna stretch you can't you can't do that (laughs) but the one that always kind of stuck with me because even though it's an erotic fiction novel she still manages to put some horror into it even though it's horror is subjective is that at one point i remember they tie beauty up uh, they bind her from um, arms to ankles and lift her up in the air so she looks like like a like a teardrop yes yes and they take honey. Yes. And they put on her nether regions and let flies. Yes. Yep. Like yep. Tack yep. It for punishment. Yeah. That has stuck with me as a horrific thing for life because I'm just like, oh, that's gotta be awful. Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> no, she's really imaginative in that book. The yes. things they come up with. I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah, it's not just whips and chains going on. There's some real creative stuff no, going on. No, she, and that's why I always think of it as still a kind of a horror. Yeah. And to some, I mean, other people could be really into the honey bug thing. I, every, everybody's got their thing, man. I mean, yeah. I'm not into it. I'm sure somebody has that particular kink, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Again, let their freak flag fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I just don't need it at Disneyland. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Uh, did, w- did you ever read Exit to Eden, either no. one of you? No, and I've never seen the movie either. Okay, so the movie has nothing to do with the book whatsoever. <laughs> I have heard that. Um, the movie is a special kind of terrible. Okay. I've listened to the Movie Issues podcast where you guys talked about that. Oh, that it was, is. That was pretty damn hilarious, mm. really. Wasn't that the one where they didn't really forgive you for making them watch that one? I think. I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Don and Lauren were pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it happens. Uh, it is, yeah, it's a special kind of terrible that I enjoy. The... But uh, let's move on to what she's really known for. It would be her Vampire Chronicle series, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which I am so hoping. I mean, she got the rights back, her and Christopher, her son, and they are actively shopping it for a, a television series, wow. which I think could work on, say, an HBO or Showtime. I don't want an AMC. Oh, no. Or... AMC, I could kind of see, you know. Buyable on AMC, better on HBO. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we need to. I don't know, but HBO had True Blood. Do you think they'll dip their toes in vampires again? It made them a shit ton of money. It certainly did. Very true. The last season was terrible, but you know. I'll bring you on for when I get to the True Blood episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But the I I I remember reading those in as a young adult and I was into it. <coughs> like I was like I want to be a vampire just like her vampire. They stay pretty. They can look great. Everybody wants them. <laughs> and Catherine's pointed out one of the things about the vampires is the, the spending of money that goes on in these books. Yes, that is something I think is it gets featured in a lot of her books, that there will be somebody who has or gains just tons and tons and tons of money, and then they buy a house and then they fix up the house and they buy all these beautiful clothes and then they adopt some orphans so that they can put them through school and take them on trips to Europe and all this it's just <laughs> this lavish decadent lifestyle and it makes you think like she's been living the last 50 years in grinding poverty and she's daydreaming about what she could do if she had that much money and she's had you know more money than anybody since the first vampire book came out yeah yeah but she still loves to do that you know you see yeah. it in just about every book all of the series i guess the question is who's your favorite vampire character That's oh a, boy you know i don't even think it's lestat or is it Louis or Louis? I, I always Louis. say Louis because that's okay. how they said it in the movie. And that's, that's in the movie, right. right? That's fine. The thing is, I lo- <laughs> the one good thing about Interview with the Vampire is Brad Pitt because he is all kinds of pretty in that. Yeah. But I don't actually in the books. I don't really like the character that much because it's a little too whiny. Oh, he is a, a Luke yeah. level of whiny. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, but there's some of the other vampires that came along. I think Antonio of. Uh, um, Antonio Armand. 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 I was going to say Antonio the Vampire. No, Antonio Armand. the Vampire. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. It is. Though he was way too old for that role, though. The character in the books oh, is actually way young. Yeah. yeah, he's like 16. But once again, I didn't care because he was so pretty in that movie. Yeah, that movie's got a lot of pretty. It really does. Yep. <laughs> yes, yeah. it does. Uh, I do... I don't know how to think about it. Catherine, do you have a favorite vampire? Uh, a favorite... <sighs> 
I don't know. You know, I really enjoyed the book, The Vampire Armand, and that sort of won me over to his character because I didn't really care for him before, but then you see his whole history and everything he went through both before he became a vampire and afterwards, and it's really one of my favorite of the series, I think. Although, I... I don't know. I get the idea that some of the revelations about Claudia in that book would make people hate it. Like if they've been, you know, loved the interview with a vampire and then you get that kind of a revelation, people would probably be mad about that. But I enjoyed it. I, I like Armand's good. Um, uh, I, I think Magnus is OK. He's, yeah. I don't hate his character. That's fine. Um, there was the one off book which I think is the one I read the most, which was Louis hanging out with Merrick, who I believe was a crossover character from The Witching Hour. From The Witching Hour, yep. Yeah, yeah. That book was great. Okay. But I say that not having any backstory to The Witching Hour characters. Merrick, I don't remember the book very much. I have this feeling like I couldn't get into it. It went to the bargain bin real quick. Oh, interesting. Well, you know what ticked me off? Vampire Armand, of course, you know, okay, after Memnock the Devil, uh, Lestat basically goes into a sort of a coma and he's lying on the floor of a church and like the vampires are guarding him and leaving him alone, but he's just not awake, not awake. All through the vampire Armand that stays the same. And in the very end, the piano music brings him up out of his coma. And I started reading Merrick. And the first thing it says was that Lestat had gone back to his coma. And I was just like flipping a table. I was so angry (laughs) that she would do that. That she would just like, oh, no, I didn't really mean it. We'll just put him back into a coma again. But, you know, he wakes up, you know, partway through the book and it's fine. But it took me years years before I actually read that because I was so irritated. But it was Till the Body Thief that kind of did it for me for the vampires for a while because of the horrible thing. That's the one where she even says, and Stephen King's done this before, where she even says, hey, if you're happy with the way this book's going, why don't you just go ahead and consider this the ending and put it away? Because if you keep reading, you're probably going to get mad. And so that, that is Tale of the yep. Body Thief, isn't it? Yep, that's it. Oh, yes. Do you remember that? I, I remember not hating that one. Is That's the one where the interviewer is turned into a vampire. It's no. his journey, no. right? No, no. That's Queen of the Damned. Yeah. Oh. No, uh, tell okay. the body thief you've got, like, body switching stuff going <gasps> oh, on. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, okay. where, where yeah. he does, like... God. It's but, all coming back. <laughs> all right. So spoilers for anybody who spoilers for anybody who doesn't remember this, but the one older guy that he'd been friends with ends up dying in his old body but comes back in this beautiful young body yeah. and then Lestat against his will turns him into a vampire and it was so horrifically awful. I was yeah. so angry. I wanted to chuck the book across the room. I put away vampire books for quite a while after that one because I was so mad. Yeah, now that you say that, I do remember some of that. I remember not liking it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I liked Merrick. Because ah. it was just like, oh, well, here are the characters I like doing things that aren't really important. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you know? Did what, I, it's been so long since I read Merrick, but wasn't that, didn't it involve like a, a trek through a South American jungle or something to find ancient ruins? I don't remember. It could have. <laughs> It's been a while. David uh, apparently being in love with Merrick, I think that was one thing. I think that was one of the things that made me not like Merrick quite so much because David was reminiscing about when he was a member of the um, the Talamasca and traveled with Merrick to South American jungle and he was very much in love with her and they had sex. And I'm like, I'm not buying anything about this, mm. about David. Totally fair. Yeah, that's fine. Now, uh, which was the one where Lestat goes back in time and meets Jesus? 
I'm sorry, what now? Which one was that one? Mem Knock the Devil. Mem Knock the Devil. And I, I have... I have not read that one. That is something I think I would remember okay. if, if, if Lestat hangs out with Jeebus. Yeah, he does. And this is <laughs> this is an interesting story. So it, And Catherine, you'll have to correct me if I'm remembering this wrong, but I think I'm remembering it right. Okay. So we read it in college, and Catherine's, at the time, boyfriend, now husband, Nathan... And my, at the time, boyfriend, Patrick, I believe had both read the book before us. And they thought it was fine, but they thought that Anne Rice, at one place, they wouldn't tell us what. They said, I think she's trying to be intentionally offensive. So, you know, just so that you know, this is going to be a thing that's probably going to offend people. And Catherine's like, oh, okay. You, does this sound familiar to you, Catherine? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's like, I oh, confirm yes, uh, yep, all yep. of this. I remember this, yep. So Catherine and I read it, and yes, there was a bit that happened, and we were so offended. We were about ready to flip a table about it. And then as it turns out, Patrick and Nathan were talking about something completely different. What Patrick and Nathan were talking about was that he goes back in time and meets Jesus, and at one point drinks Jesus's blood. Uh And it was just done in a way that they're like, I mean, neither Patrick nor Nathan are like completely religious type people, but they were like, you know, it's just kind of a thing. It's just like, you made a vampire drink Jesus's blood, and Jesus was into it, and all this kind of stuff. And it was just like, really? Whatever, it's fine. That wasn't what offended me and Catherine. There's this female character that Lestat's kind of a little bit in love with in this story and everything. It's a a human, a woman and everything. And near the end of the book, when he's like dying of blood thirst or whatever he hasn't fed in a while, he, I swear to God, I swear (laughs) to God, she's got her period and he goes down on her and drinks her blood down there. Of course. And Catherine and I were just like... What? That is so gross. And, and we were like, Nathan and Patrick were like, oh, yeah, I guess that probably you would think that'd be offensive. We're like, what oh the my hell God. is going on? Yeah, it was pretty it's like, bad. At this point, we've had a good, you know, 10, 11 years of having to deal with that sort of thing every single month. So I guess it's understandable that it would appall us, <laughs> but not the guys that never have to deal with that stuff. It was just, it was so, it was so wrong. But it was funny how we were talking at cross purposes with the guys, because they're like, oh, did it offend you? We're like, yes, it totally, and they're like, oh, that's a stronger reaction than we expected out of you out of that, so there you go. Yeah, I mean. But I mean, and it's odd that the the whole bit with Jesus didn't bother me, but I, I guess I was thinking along the lines like, it's Lestat, and he's traveled back in time and has met Jesus. Of course he's going to drink his blood. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I just figure if you're Lestat and you manage to go back in time, uh, what a terrible time period to go back to. Right. I right. mean, I'm assuming due to plot, that wasn't his choice. No, I don't even right, remember right. why. Yeah. Do you remember? It's one of my least favorite of the books. And it's really odd that I have this personal reaction to it. But I can actually remember, okay, you know, in college, in my 20s, whatever, reading this late at night, suddenly, you know, it's all this talk about heaven and hell and making a decision. And it's like that lightning bolt realization of, oh, one day I really will have to deal with this sort of thing. It's like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, whole yeah. mort- the whole mortality thing. I mean, obviously, you you understand it intellectually before then. But to have that realization late at night is really kind of horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> I do, oh, okay, here's the question. Claudia, do we like? No. Okay, no, really. I'm with her. Yeah, okay, I, I didn't... I really hate her uh, one way or the other. I liked her in the movie. I liked her a little better in the movie than in the book. I think that is still Kirsten Dunst's best and only role. 
that I enjoy. All right. Because okay. she was really good as that nasty little bitch. Yeah. And you know what, though? It, it lost a little bit of something because they couldn't have gotten an actress who was that good who was any younger, really. I mean, mm. the younger you get, the harder it would be to pull that off. And she's still pretty young. She is. Yeah. But in the book, it's like distressingly young because... Claudia in the movie is a little closer to that adolescence that she'll never reach. Yeah. Whereas the kid in the book is actually like super young and she'll, she's just horrified that she's going to be like that forever. So that yeah. the book explains her bitchiness a little better, but I liked her better in the movie. I, I, I totally understand where she's coming from, mm. but still, but still no. you're a vampire. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I mean the revelations in Merrick about how she was even bitchier than anyone actually suspected kind of tarnished what little I had left of yeah. you know like for that character. That'll explain why I didn't I I seriously I don't remember if I got that far in Merrick at all because it's totally you're talking fair. Well, you're talking about revelations and I'm like, was there? I guess there was. So that might explain why I don't have the same reaction against Claudia that you guys do. I do enjoy uh Queen of the Damned. The first 100 pages are rough though. Mm. Mm. Once you get into the story about the actual queen, mm. I I love, I don't remember their names, the two twins. Yes. I, I want to yes. say, is it Marius? Am I thinking that correctly? It's, no, 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 no. <laughs> what, what am Marius I thinking Marius is a different of? character. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Maharet yes. and Makar. Whichever the one we spent the most time with, mm-hmm. I liked her. <laughs> Yeah. I, oh, and that's another thing. It's this idea about this immortal that is this incredibly wealthy benefactor to her whole family line. I mean, I love that. You know, that her putting people through college and her having this wonderful, you know, house set into the side of a mountain. It's just all, you know, just you sit there and you lick your lips at all this wonderful decadent you know, lifestyle they get to leave. Yeah, she has the lifestyle of a Bond villain. Yes. Yes, yeah, she really yeah. does. Where she's like, oh, here's my house located in the middle of a heart of a volcano. <laughs> because why not? Don't mind all the minions running around <laughs> doing things. And they're all beautiful, too. Oh. Right down to the great big map with all the glowing points of light showing where all of her descendants are. <laughs> it's, yeah, that was, that was an okay book. I enjoyed that one. I don't remember much about it, but I do remember thinking that was a good one. Um, now, that was also the one where it kind of, I almost think it sort of set the idea, because Vampire Diaries picked up on this as well, you had this one character who would see ghosts, and I think she saw her mother, but she was in a terrible accident at one point, she was going to die, and so I think she's one of the descendants, so they were going to turn her to a vampire, but the vampire who turned her told her, you know, say goodbye to your mother because you won't see her after you become a vampire. So yeah. that idea that magic and vampirism doesn't live together. Yeah, I remember that. She, The girl got hurt at a concert. I think so. Yeah, like she broke her neck, I think. Yeah, like yeah. She, but she was alive enough to have the conversation. Exactly. Like they wanted to make sure that she was okay with them doing this. Yeah, but... I remember going, well, that seems weird that you're having this conversation. And I liked the tiny little things like... Claudia, of course, found out that if you cut your hair, it will grow out to the same length when you sleep that night. So yeah, that's that however you were when you died, it will always happen. But that was the thing. Before they turned her, they did, they actually like fucking tweezed her eyebrows so that, you know, when she died, she wouldn't have to worry about that happening again. I was like, that's a nice little touch right there. <laughs> These are the touches on why I want to be this kind of vampire. Right. Like, yes, like, exactly. The, these are the things where you're like, yes. So I, if, I've told you before, 
if a vampire came into my home tonight and was like, I will turn you in a year, so fix all of this, <laughs> I'll come back in a year. I'm like, oh, I'm in it to win it. <laughs> See, True Blood kind of went and did that because Anne Rice vampires, when you become a vampire, you become more beautiful. That's yes. just what happens. True Blood, you stay exactly the way you are. Which is a damn shame. Yes, exactly. Especially for that one vampire who was like, unattractive and kind of geeky and everything and he became a vampire just to become more beautiful he's like it didn't work yeah. you know in true blood were there shout outs to the Anne Rice vampires this idea about people wanting to become a vampire because they you know are madly in love with Lestat and think that their life is going to be like that I think that I think that guy actually was the call out to that he said you know I became a vampire because I was lonely and you know vampires are an accepted thing in that world and he said I just he was he was gay and couldn't get men and just thought I will become a vampire and I will automatically and he becomes a vampire and he's still having to pay for prostitutes because he's not any more attractive it was very sad I I have to assume they made a joke at one point because it's so on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Vampire Diaries made Twilight jokes every once in a while, so there was some meta stuff going on, yeah. Well, I I remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She meets somebody who insists that he's Dracula, and I can't remember the storyline if it actually was or someone who just thought he was, but she was like, okay, but are you really Dracula? Because I can't tell you how many fanboys I've run into saying that they're Lestat. You know that'd be a thing. The, the good thing, it, what I like most about that particular episode of Buffy is they never tell you. Right. Because he is such a different vampire than anything else that they have encountered. And he even has all the tropes that they have made fun of. Yeah, I like that episode a lot because even at the end of it, it's just kind of like, well, we don't know if he's really Dracula, but he seems to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're just going to move on. Yeah. Yeah, or doesn't when, really even need to when, be addressed again. Even when she stabs him, hmm? and she's like, "Oh, you always come back. Haven't you seen your own movies?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, okay, that's fair." Yeah, my only problem with that particular episode is the actor that got to play Dracula just did not work. For I, me. I was just thinking that same thing. I remember that episode and being like, "It's a shame you get to bring Dracula on, and I just don't like the guy." Yeah, they made him so. Vamp- interview the vampire because ah. that was of the time mm. but it was like they took all the lesser good looking actors to do it versus <laughs> well okay Tom Cruise is a weird pull for Lestat in general yeah I remember when they announced that oh, and the uproar yeah I remember she was saying she was going to pull out of it and then they they published some kind of letter scolding her for not supporting the thing and that everybody was working so hard and she ended up Catherine didn't she cave she did yeah she even recorded a little thing about how enthusiastic she was about the whole project and she knew it was going to be great mm-hmm. it was better than queen of the damned oh queen of the damned that's <sighs> yeah yeah and what it was what's her face's last role because then she died in the plane uh, crash uh, right Latifah yeah. swings to mind, and I know that's no, not no, it. It's, um, uh, Shakira also swings to mind, and that's not it either. Definitely not Shakira. <laughs> Even no, further. Aaliyah. Aaliyah, Aaliyah, yeah. Aaliyah. There we okay. go. Yeah, yeah. But what was the character? What was the name of the Queen of the Dam? Like Asasha or Asaka? Oh, something like that. Akasha? Yeah, I think it was like, that's, you know what? We're, let's go with that. <laughs> okay. Akasha. Uh, great character on paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, well, there was a book about it. So, oh, yes, yeah, great yeah. character. In paper, real poor execution. But didn't 
they try to cram like two or three books into that movie? That there was a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do, it's weird. Uh, Stuart Townsend, kind of a better Lestat. It's unfortunately, he was in such a shitty movie. Yeah, it's a shame. But then there were all those people who really wanted Sting to be Lestat. Oh, that would have been awful. Yeah, it would have been. But it may be in his very young days, but I don't know. I had a visceral reaction to you just saying that. I know you did. You really didn't approve of that idea. But like, that was a no. thing that people were saying back well, in the day. Hold, hold on a second. What about David Bowie? Oh, well, yes. <laughs> you know what? I, With Leland, the answer yeah. to what about David Bowie, the answer will always be yes. Uh, yes. Bowie okay. could have played every role <laughs> like even claudia like totally. i just and i would have bought all of it i was like yeah because he's that fucking good yes. and he also sang the soundtrack yeah there you Indeed. go that was yeah. the perfect movie what was it? sting did a song with lestat didn't he was did it? he Catherine, didn't sting do a song where he talks about lestat i'm sure he oh does. um Moon over Bourbon Street, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's a great song. If you don't know that one. Oh, I've never heard this. It's. I think it, it's either Moon over Bourbon Street or Bourbon Street or something. But we'll it's a song one. about the Vampire Chronicles. I think he's very obliquely referencing vampires. So not as on the nose as say um, Led Zeppelin with Nordic history and The Hobbit. Right. No. Okay. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Not that much. Names aren't mentioned in this one. No, but it is. I mean, it's clearly a vampire, and he's in New Orleans, and so you know, if you got a vampire in New Orleans, it's vampires. No, you know, it's and totally. rice vampires. Yeah. I do like um, the setting of the the books. Like, I do like them in New Orleans. I mean, granted, that is where she's from, so you know, write what you know. Right. But I do like the setting. It is otherworldly. It's this. The voodoo and the vibe and the the the, the bayou has got a really nice theme or a tone for her stories that I do enjoy. You really would enjoy The Witching Hour then, I think. Really? Maybe I'll have to give it another shot. I enjoy it. I mean, there's three books in it, and I just recently reread all of them, and I like that one the best okay. out of all of them. There's a younger character who gets really weird. The uh, What's it? The... The kid who has sex with the guy, but she's clearly underage. Mona Mayfair. That's and, uh, yes. Leland, have you read Blood Canticle? I don't even know what word you just said. To me. <laughs> I mean, I know the word blood, but what what is? It? I've never heard of this. Blood Canticle is like uh, it was came out in two thousand and three, and it was you know brought in the character of Mona Mayfair and another vampire who had fallen in love with her before he became a vampire and she gets turned into a vampire in Blood Canticle in order to save her life. Okay, Mona Mayfair is the young character in The Witching Hour. Or not The Witching Hour. Is she a little more likable in Blood Canticle? Because I didn't really... She was a little entitled i suppose she's like sleeping with somebody's husband and is just kind of like what this is well this is what i wanted to do i'm like well you're 13 so that's pretty bad as it is but yeah i it blackwood farm and blood canticle were the two books that she wrote in like 2002 2003 and then she took a break for 11 years Ah. and i think those two books are probably the weakest ones in the series I never made it through Blackwood Farm, but not because the book was bad. A friend of mine gave me a book on tape of it, and I, the guy reading it is awful. I just I got in like two chapters. I was like, fuck all of this. I hate your voice. I don't want it. So I, I don't know anything about Blackwood Farm. Uh, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a crossover witching hour vampire book. She did several Kind of. of there's, I mean, that's the whole entitled thing. I mean, you have this person that... 
I don't know. He's just like, he doesn't have any parents, but he's rich and he runs his whole plantation and everyone keeps falling in love with him. And, you know, another one of the things where he adopts some neighbor child or whatever to take to Europe or whatever. It just on and on and on and on. And then he gets turned into a vampire, like, you know, 90% of the way through the book. I'm like, why is this even in the Vampire Chronicles? <laughs> Now, I remember you you put a review up on the website for, uh, was it called the Lestat in Atlantis? Yes, that was the most recent one. Prince Lestat and the Realms of Atlantis. Uh, I remember reading your review, but at this time, I don't remember a single thing you said. <laughs> um, did you like it? I liked it, but you have to accept it for what it is, which is okay. like, in some ways, over-the-top silly, I think, because it, it basically says that... The vampire race was started by the aliens who had settled on Earth to start the city of Atlantis. <laughs> Boy, I wish on a podcast, it's a shame that you cannot see the expression on Leland's face right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like disbelief, bemusement. I don't know how to d- describe well, what's going shit. on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, I... you, ha- you have to jump into that book knowing that and just accepting it. And then you get the pretty vampires. So. You know, I am okay with her not writing anymore. <laughs> like it's it's so fine. Like, I mean, she. it's not like no one's going to take her legacy from her she got her coin she can do whatever the fuck she wants to do living in her haunted mansion down in the New Orleans bayou but like damn that is that's some next level drug shit right there (laughs) what I love is the fact that Catherine even said in her review that there's a lot of silliness going on but Anne Rice liked that review so much she retweeted it twice well good for her I mean I mean, she knows it's ridiculous. Well, I don't know. I remember there was some whole thing that happened. It might it was either Blackwood Farm or Blood Canticle, where some people left some negative reviews on Amazon about the writing style or the story or the character. I don't even know. I didn't look into it too much, but apparently Anne Rice did the thing that authors should never do. She started responding to the criticism and she oh, no. started arguing with the negative reviews. And that convinced a lot of people that she was getting a little unhinged. But, okay. Yeah, she's had some She's had a hard life in her way. She's had she she's had some um, tragedies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Her life is not perfect, but whose is? True. Um, I did read a lot of Christopher's books for a while. And then they, I mean, I don't know about his current stuff. I did read like his first three or four. And they all kind of had the same tone and themes. And after about the third one, I was kind of like, okay, I, I think I've reach the end of our relationship in book reading. Right. I, I, I do enjoy one of them a lot, but I was like, okay, mm-hmm. organically we have, we've, we, we're, we're going to make a passing. Okay. I'm going to move on to things that don't have this theme that's anymore. Fun. Cause I've read pretty much everything I think I can read on this. That's fair. It's not like you disliked it. It's like you read it and there wasn't anything else left to say. Yeah. And, and I, and now that I have no idea about his current stuff that he could be pimping out now that could be totally different, <laughs> but I'm okay. Never to go back. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I respect him as an artist and a writer. I think he was solid and to, I don't know, following the legacy of, and rice, you gotta hey, you gotta do your thing. You gotta have chops, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
I think Joe Hill's probably got a better market, uh, being the son of Stephen King. I, uh, I think. Yeah. And his stuff uh, yeah, is, I think so. Yeah. His stuff is really good. So yeah. I have not read any of Joe Hill. Yeah. I have not read any of it. I I, I bought Horns. Um, I I look forward to reading it someday. Oh my God, I have read Horns. Wasn't that the one that they did the movie with? Yeah, um, with uh, Harry Potter. Oh wow, boy, that book was weird. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Holy the movie cow. was fucked up too. Yeah, wait, wait I, Elizabeth, weird in that you can recommend it or weird that you're not sure you can recommend oh, it? Oh, I'm not sure I can recommend it. It's depressing. <laughs> it's oh, depressing. it is way depressing. I'm not going to lie about oh, that. Oh, my God. And I just, yeah. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> You want to talk about visceral reactions. I was like, oh, that book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's odd. But no, I, I do I do enjoy the Anne Rice. Um, I do look forward to, uh, like I said, a TV show. She has this world that she's created and it has nuances and every nook and cranny has been detailed in, in like several, several novels. And I feel that it's like in the world of things right now coming to television from long series is running in books. Why hasn't this done a thing so far? It could still, I mean, if American Gods has been made into a TV show, I would think it oh, would be a short leap to the Fuck vampire. it. Send it to Stars. Yeah. I could handle Stars doing it. Yeah, exactly. They've I mean, certainly done a good job. I mean, Neil Gaiman's had a rough time with some of his stuff being converted into movies or TV shows. Yeah. So, yeah, American Gods did it right. Catherine, did you see American Gods yet? I have not yet, but I've been hearing so much good stuff about it, and I have a co-worker who... She's one of the only people that I've found that I can talk to, you know, consistently about sci-fi stuff. She's like, you have to watch this now. <laughs> I, um, uh, and when me and Elizabeth were recording our show earlier tonight before calling you, I yet again had to lay into your sister about <laughs> when she's going to actually get around to watching Hannibal. <laughs> oh, boy. I've now watched Hannibal all the way through twice. <laughs> I haven't done a rewatch yet because it's really heavy. It really is? Yeah, like, oh my. I think internally I'm just not there yet at the moment <laughs> to watch a cannibal, but the but the thrill is always there. <laughs> Have you taken a look at the cookbook that was put out for Hannibal? <laughs> I was even talking about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's how this came up. Um, I have not heard, I mean, I've heard of it. And, and I, did we do a review on the website? Yeah, Catherine. I did. Catherine did, yeah. Oh, she did, yeah. Then I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hear the pictures are beautiful. <laughs> that's what they kept on oh going on, like the pictures. <laughs> oh, so pretty. I mean, this woman, I mean, Janice Poon, I think, is the name. Hang on a second. No, I am not going to just leave it like that, because if I've got it wrong, that's going to be embarrassing. So hang on. Um, <laughs> Especially for if her name is Poon. <laughs> I think it is. It happened. Janice Poon. Yeah, I got it right. Okay. <laughs> yes, her last name is Poon. <laughs> the, I mean, huh. the fact the fact that she makes all of this stuff look so damn gorgeous on the table is one thing, but... She also makes sure that it's stylistically, it has the same theme as whatever they were talking about in a nearby scene. And she makes all this stuff very delicious, apparently, so that everybody who has to eat this stuff on set actually enjoys eating it. There was even a little mention about uh, Mads Mikkelsen and Lawrence Fishburne. They were eating something, it was like a, a pate, and they kept quote, quote, flubbing their lines because that meant they'd have to eat another bite of the uh, pate as they were doing it. 
Oh, good for them. Yeah. Right, and you, you get that, paid to eat. That was the one yeah. where it wasn't even real pate because isn't Mads Mikkelsen a vegetarian? No, actually, uh, they got to eat the real pate. It oh. was uh, Lawrence Fishburne's wife who played on Firefly. Gina Torres. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Gina Torres. Yep. She's she's the vegetarian. So not only was she making stuff that. <laughs> was supposed to look like it was human, and it wasn't. In some cases, she made stuff that made to look like it was meat, and it wasn't. So she was very good at that kind of stuff. I, I love all of it, and it is beautiful in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it, mm-hmm. his his table settings are outrageously fabulous. Like, you're just kind of yeah. like, wow, that is... That is really pretty. You're like, if you have a Halloween party, that's a nice sit-down dinner. This, you call Janice Poon, apparently. <laughs> yes, <that's>... exactly. <laughs> if you can afford her. I'm mm-hmm. sure she co- she commands a high price, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, good for her. Yeah. Uh, anything else left, ladies? I don't. Um, hang on just a second. I've got the list of the books up here. Um, I really can't think of anything uh, other than I would definitely recommend if you haven't already reading Blood and Gold, which is uh, all about Marius. It's about his history and it even covers the time after he was, he and Armand were attacked by all of the, uh, the evil vampires that were living in the cemetery and then how he recovered from that. Because we thought he died at first, right? It was in the original story. Didn't Marius, didn't Armand think Marius was killed? Right, yeah. He thought he was dead. And uh, uh, there's a lot added to that storyline. But for the most part, you really see how Marius is perfectly capable of dismantling his own life. He's a, he really needs a psychiatrist, I think. He, He could do with some professional help. Weren't they a couple... Or no? Yeah, oh, yeah. The, yeah, originally. Because yeah, okay. it was in the a- ancient Rome. He was the artist, and yes. Armand was his assistant, and there was yeah. definitely a lover type okay. of situation. I, it, there's a lot of characters. Yeah. It, there are. Because I know there was Magnus, Marius, and I got those two characters mixed up for mm-hmm. the longest time. Pandora. Which apparently is Pandora Pandora. I think. Is that how that works out, Catherine? I don't think so. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Not from the original myth. But now, did either of you read Prince Lestat, which is the first book that she started when she, you know, did when she started writing again in 2014? Nope. I believe I read some of it. Eventually, that one has all of the characters. All of them. And some <laughs> of them go by different names from when you met them before. So it's really hard to keep track of. Yes, Everything you just said just kicked started something in the brain. I did read that one. Is that the one where he becomes like the omni vampire that's super powerful, can fly around the earth and like do thought, all sorts of crazy shit? I thought that happened in Queen of the Damned, maybe. I think I'm confusing all the stories because in one, but I have the, read them a lot. He drank the blood of the Queen of the Damned, and that's what made him the super vampire. Right, Catherine? Right? Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Good. But yes, I do remember Prince Lestat. Yeah, there, every character, there's like a big scene where they all kind of hang out and they all have different names. And I kept thinking, now, who the fuck is this now? <laughs> oh, it's that character. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did read that. Yeah. And it's hard to get. I should probably try to reread that at some point, but just like have a notebook open next to me and take notes. It's like you'll know somebody, but they'll have taken on a different name or maybe they're a ghost now or they were like the parent of this other vampire that we barely remember from an earlier book. I hope she has um, some sort of like 
Excel spreadsheet. Oh, she's going to have to. Where she point. knows everything. Well, I, mean, well, I, I figured she must have had something like that when she wrote The Witching Hour, because isn't there like one of the, the witches, was it Julius? Uncle Julius? Well, he was the one who was having sex with pretty much four or five generations, I want to say. Having sex and bearing children with many different generations, some of whom he was very closely related to. It was all consensual. That was it made it even stranger. Yeah, when you get right down to it, I mean, he was some people's father, grandfather, uncle, you know, oh. at the exact same time. You know? How Game of Thronesy. Yeah, it's Ugh. very. Oh, <laughs> terribly. Okay, well, I, you know, I think that is a perfect place to end with um, <laughs> consensual um, incest. Incest, you sure. know, that's that's what how we among like witches. <laughs> witches be different from humans. It's true. It's 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 what you do in the coven. Uh, uh, so I'll let you both pimp out your stuff because. I know that I'll mess it up. Okay. (laughs) So I'll pimp out the other one that I'm on, and Catherine can pimp out the other one that she's on. I am also on Lost in Sci-Fi podcast with Leland. Yay. And I and Elizabeth are on Binary System podcast, which started out as a Welcome to Night Vale recap podcast, but we have now branched out to things like Alice isn't Dead and various other things that go on in the Nerdosphere that catch our attention, however briefly. And Transformers, because we can never get too far away from Transformers, but not Michael Bay Transformers. That's fair. Ours was supposed to be about science fiction. Yeah, it went in other weird directions. Sometimes it still is. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it happens. Yeah, I like that lost in sci-fi. Sometimes you're so lost, you're not even in sci-fi anymore. (laughs) That should be the tagline. It really should be. (laughs) Uh, And you're uh, listening to Halloween Street. Uh, So you can find all of our uh, shows on pixelgeek.com, Facebook, Twitter, I pretty much Instagram, yeah. uh, you name a social media, I'm pretty sure we're on it. So uh, that is us for this week, and we will see you soon. Bye, Bye-bye. everybody. Talk to you later. Until next time, unpleasant dreams.